little over a year ago, my sister went to her hairdresser. And her hairdresser actually found something on her head and told her it didn't look right. So my sister in turn went to advanced dermatology and they looked at it and come to find out she had skin cancer, melanoma, to top it off. So she got checked, she got it taken care of. And one of the things I didn't realize was that skin cancer is hereditary. So she called me and my brother up and told us, and told us that we need to get scanned, a body scan. Now, I'm here to tell you, when when people, a lot of people, when they think of body scan, they think you go into a machine or something. At least that's what I thought. That's what my brother thought as well. That's not the case. The dermatologist comes out, you know, they, you're in a private room, and they look over your body, and they ask you if there's anything you're concerned about. Well, lo and behold, I went in there, and Chris from Advanced Dermatology looked at me, and sure enough, a spot that was on top of my head that my wife pointed out several times that I ignored was skin cancer. So they took a biopsy. That's how they found out. And I went back actually on the 30th, May 30th, and I saw Dr. Cooper. They did what is called Mohs surgery. Now, keep in mind, my sister had melanoma. Mine was basal cell. You know, so there's a big difference, but still, skin cancer, skin cancer. So, Dr. Cooper did the process, and they were able to get the whole tumor out. But the thing is, the experience that I had there, I did not, I was not uncomfortable at all. They made me very comfortable, very friendly staff, and just the knowledge I got from talking to them, I want to pass on to all of you. Because no matter what, even if you think you cannot get skin cancer, surprise, you can. And I encourage everyone, please go get scanned. Even if there's no traces of it in your family, go get scanned. It doesn't hurt. All they do is look over everything. And if you're fine, you're fine. If you have skin cancer and if you got to get the surgery, that's fine too. Probably the recovery process is probably the hardest part, to be honest with you. But check them out, Advanced Dermatology at DermTeamMD.com. They're in Bel Air, Hunt Valley, and Towson. I went to the Bel Air office. That number is 410-569-5151. Again, that's 410-569-5151. What is the Maryland Children's Health Program? Do you qualify to be part of the Maryland Children's Health Program? Can you be a single adult and be part of the Maryland Children's Health Program? These questions and many more will be answered on this episode of Harford County Living when Lyle Garrity and I sit down with members of the Harford County Health Department and go over the Maryland Children's Health Program. the Harford County Living Podcast with Rich Bennett. Thank you for coming and please send any suggestions or comments to podcast at harfordcountyliving.com. The Harford County Living Podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes can be found at harfordcountyliving.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorites RS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's join Rich Bennett and his special guest. Welcome, everybody, to the Harford County Living Podcast. We are sitting here with the health department again today. We have Janika, Rania, Mallory, Mary Jo, and Dr. Moy with us, along with Lyle and myself. And today we are talking about the Maryland Children's Health Program. Uh, and Janika, you had that up, right? Yes. Or, okay. So I got, if not, I just gave you a promotion. <laughs> so exactly what is the Maryland Children's Health Program, or MCHP? Um, MTRIP. So we um, educate and sign people up for medical assistance okay. throughout the state. Well, we work in Harford County, but um, people outside of Harford County can come in and to one of our offices and apply. And medical oh. assistance is the state insurance through Maryland Health Connection. 
and we work on household size and income base and we can deal with adults, children, newborns, former foster care people, um, parents and caretaker relatives, and of course pregnant women who need insurance. Okay. You said former foster care? Former foster care. So those who age out of foster care. Because oh, okay. when they're in foster care, they already have insurance. They do? Yes. Um, it's through the Department of Social Service. I didn't realize that. Yes. Huh. Okay. So um, to apply, they can come into one of our many locations. We are here in Bel Air at Hay Street. We're in Edgewood. We're also in Street, Maryland. We're in Havy Grace at the WIT building. We're also, we can go into the detention center. We are going to be in the crisis center once that's open up. And we're also in parole and probations. And our office hours are from 8 to 4.30. And no appointments needed. We take everything on a walk-in basis. And then we also do home visits if you're not able to come into our office. So if anybody says they can't find you, they must be living under a rock. Yeah, so I'm like, really? I was going to say, I think you're the first department that I I think you're in more places than anybody else, aren't you? I believe so, yes. Wow. We try and get all over the county so that we can be accessible to everyone. Oh, that's awesome. Let's say I, I qualify but I have my niece and nephew living with me or mm-hmm. my grandchild. Can I apply for them as well? You can, yes. Okay. So in that situation, um, it will be called a caretaker relative. So you can okay. apply for yourself and then you'll apply for them too. And But your income won't count towards them. Oh, really? Yeah, for caretaker relatives, their income don't count towards the child. Interesting. Okay. And what kind, I mean, what kind of benefits fall under this? So it's any basically any insurance. So you go to your doctor, you tell them that you have medical assistance, and then um, you'll go to the doctor that takes medical assistance, and you can get your normal checkups. Um, for children, you automatically get dental and vision through Healthy Smiles. For adults, um, the dental and vision falls under their managed care organization, so it's whatever they accept. Um, and then you can still go to the hospital, the once you have your managed care organization, you can go to certain urgent cares, right? Um, but not many take them. So I would also call before you go, just so you don't get charged. Is there a copay? Um, there are no copays for doctor's visits. Really? Um, and there's no copays when you're a child. But to get prescriptions, there is there could possibly be a one to three dollar copay per prescription. That's it? That's it. <laughs> that's it. Beats the VA, that's for sure. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I mean, yeah. so can you maybe contact the VA and other organizations <laughs> and tell them how to do this? I mean, wow, that's a, a dollar. Now, I take it those are generic prescriptions. Uh, no, it's a dollar for um, generic, $3 for brand name. Get out of here. Yep, no, and then some of the managed care organizations, you actually have no copays for your prescriptions no matter what. And we also do the managed care organization education. So my workers will explain the different um, MCOs and what they offer, and then they also tell you which ones have copays versus which ones don't have copays. Wow. I think th- that's really interesting. I like the managed care organization thing kind of threw me for a loop when I first like started learning to like sign up for insurance because I had no idea what a managed care organization was. Yeah, it's basically your insurance company. So like with private insurance companies, you have Blue Cross Blue Shield and Cigna. And then with MA, you have Maryland's Physician Care Party Partners. We also have some commonly known. We have Kaiser. We have United Healthcare. And we also have Aetna, which is also... Really? Yes. What about, um, like, short-term disability? I know usually that's the duck one. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, something like that covered under under it, too, or...? Um, like, if the receipt... Yeah, all right, so the, the person that, uh, again, the caretaker or whatever that applied for, if they mm-hmm. get hurt on the job and they're out of work for a couple weeks, that doesn't... That, so this doesn't cover short-term disability? 
correct? No, we okay. don't do short-term disability, okay. but we do do long-term. So we'll cover if you're extended. Really? Now and extended, yes. It basically covers anything that a normal insurance will cover. You just have to go to a provider that accepts medical assistance. Okay. That hemp, do you, any idea hemp, because you, <laughs> Ryan, you already spilled the beans and said you're the one with the numbers. Uh, <laughs> I told so you I'm going to put you on the spot. So, how many families do you have under this program so far? Oh, do you know? <laughs> I, I do not know. I think families is different than children. I think we're. How many children? It's a lot. Hartford County, it's, I think we did 13,000, close to it, um, last month. From county staff. Really? From the county staff. Yeah. I think you were right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Because I'm just trying to, like last year, I think for sure that was the number around the number. What was that number again? About 13,000. Children. Children. Wow. Yeah. Is there anybody that tries to take advantage of this program? (laughs) (laughs) that's a good question um well i think clients the clients that are applying do a test to their income right well that's what i'm saying i'm sure you have to you check that and everything Mm -hmm. um the way that they switched how to apply for medical assistance everything's self-attestation okay so if you attest that you have no income we have you sign that a legal document stating that I swear that I have no income and once I do get income I will report it within a certain time frame so that puts that on the consumer so if we do happen to get a fraud case right we can say this is what you swore and you never reported it so now we have to take it away okay so so there's, there's no pre-qualifying up front then well there is an income other than there's, testing to yeah yeah, no. So, I mean, when it comes to that, do you guys ask for, like, W-2s and all that? We do. So, okay. if they're working, we ask for your recent pay stubs, a month's okay. worth of recent pay stubs. If they're self-employed, we ask them to bring in last year's tax return. Um, we also ask them, you have to have a Social Security number. You have to be um, living in the state of Maryland. Right. Um, and then you also have to be either a U.S. citizen or a lawfully present immigrant. So we ask for those documentations. Okay. Just if, because with the application, if we have to turn in verification documents at the end of it, we already have it with us, so we can just upload it, and it will quicken the process of getting them active and eligible. So now, do you guys require as much documentation as, say, the MVA does for renewing your license? <laughs> no, we are not no. that thorough. Okay. It's a little bit more easier to apply for I, I, Well, I was going to say, because if you do, how is it right now with people? I mean, it's... Yeah. No, we do not require that extent. Okay. And with all our locations, our wait time is, is tremendously... If you yeah. come in for an appointment, it's less than fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. But <laughs> on average. So you guys are better than the MBA <laughs> and the VA. So. And I think some of that too. We're out in the community yeah. um, at events, so especially springtime in the fall, and we we are also at the schools and back to school nights. Yes. And so individuals um, can apply for MA there and check, um, even if they have medical assistance. Uh, we have the capability to look and say, oh, yes, it's valid. Here's your redetermination time. And, oh, did you know Susie dropped off, your daughter dropped off or something? So there's this oh. whole, um, I call it a case management around that MA, you as an MA recipient. So that it, it's kind of good just to stop by if, they, if right. anyone sees us out in an event and say, I have MA or I have commercial insurance. And I probably wouldn't qualify. But... There are um, circumstances, as Chief yes, just said, you that you can have dual insurance. So mm-hmm. if you're pregnant, um, you're able to have commercial insurance and use medical assistance as your secondary and pay for everything your commercial insurance doesn't cover. If you're a child under a certain income limit, you're also able to do that. Um, and then adults are able to as well. Are there different yeah. schedules based on that, or is it just if you have insurance, you're going to supplement whatever they don't have? Um, it's 
different. It's based on your pay. So um, my workers have the income guidelines and which ones are able to have the supplemental insurance and which ones aren't. So like the only ones that can are really the MCHIP premium. So it's the higher children's categories where you have to pay a premium. Uh, and it's only like $58 and $70 a month. And that's way higher. We don't get that many on the MCHIP premium. And that's better than having them on your private insurance. Sure. And you can still get all of five times that. Yeah. yeah. And you can still get all the benefits. Well, now we keep talking about children, but it, can a single adult apply? Yes, a single really? adult can apply. Anyone from zero to 64 is eligible to apply for medical assistance. Zero to 64? 64. 64. Okay. Our cutoff is 65. Um, just because, well, 64, because when you turn 65, your Medicare starts. And Hopefully. <laughs> Not <normal>. um, <laughs> And then that's our cutoff. Um, now, if you have Medicare and you also have, say, a grandchild or a niece or nephew with you, you're actually eligible for that dual insurance. And that's the only special category with Medicare that you're able to have Medicare and Medicaid together. Were you reading my mind? <laughs> that was a question I was getting ready to ask, didn't you? I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, dental health. I mean, yeah, dental, health, vision, vision. Yes. Am I missing some prescription? Prescription. Prescription. Transportation. Yeah. Tra- what? Yeah, transportation. Yeah, if you're eligible for medical assistance, you're also eligible for MA transportation, which is through the health department, and they take you to and from your doctor's appointments. Really? Yes. Any other surprises? <laughs> Not that I know of. Well, we well, offer. It does once you are eligible for medical assistance, um, it opens up the doors for a variety of programs um, within our health department um, and also in the community. Right. But for example, like the MA transportation, that's like you always say, okay, I have my card. So how do I get to my appointment? Well, there's the medical transportation. Um, so I have my card. How do I use my benefits? We have a whole program called administrative care coordination that um, will uh, staff will assist in the benefits, um, helping you access your benefits. Going to the dentist. Um, I don't know where to go to my primary care. I don't know. Um, I need a specialist, and our staff will help access. Um, we have staff that are available. Oh um, wow! Yes. Are, are these caseworker staff, or is just the staff just takes care of everybody in a big pool? In other words, you're not, you're not, uh, you, you don't come in. You're not assigned to. I don't use the word caseworker. Well, um, they're part of a, our administrative care coordination mm-hmm. unit, and um, it's a short-term case management, less than thirty days. They'll work um, with you to try to access your benefits. Right. Um, so, like next month, I come back. I get. I make a call into the number, and I may have um, a different um, staff help right. me. Right. Okay. Now, Janika, I'm gonna, I got to ask you this yes. because I put Mallory and Ryan on the spot the one time. How long have you been doing this now? So you head up the department. So how long have you been doing this? Well, I actually just started heading up the department in November, but I've been a caseworker with MCHIP for since 2014, so almost five years. Almost five years. Yes. Why? Why? <laughs> why? Why? Why did you decide to get into this? Um, I like helping people. It's always okay. been a passion of mine, and I once I got out of college, it was an opportunity. I applied and got the job. And you went to college for this? Um, no, I went to college for communications. <laughs> Has anybody that works here actually gone to college for this? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't think tech person. So. If you were to go to college for insurance, I think you would have to get like a public health administration degree probably. I don't yeah. know if there's actually a specific like health insurance degree you could get. I think. That's I mean, probably the closest. That's yes. probably the closest would probably be like a public health administration degree. No, I meant people work here. Has anybody actually gotten a degree for public health? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but you didn't originally go to college for that. Yeah, I went. My undergrad was in psych biology and communications, yeah. but I went and got my master's in public health. I mean, it just amazes me. You know, everybody I've talked to so far has not gone to college to get into public health, 
And, you know, thank God, decided, no, I wanted to get into public health. Yeah, I'm probably one of the few. I went to, <laughs> I went to um, University of Maryland School of Nursing, and I had the experience of a rotation in community health. Oh, really? And that's, I came, I, when I graduated, I, I thought that this would be what I would want to do. And then I went back to graduate school, and I have a master's in public administration. So that I call it cutting red tape one and two, you know. But you learn, you learn. So in in the in the public administration, the public administration master's program, it's like an MBA, but it's focused on public administration, and it really teaches you um, from a nursing perspective. You have all the clinical experience, but from an administration, um, it really um, the classes addressed law, um, government, how the government works. Um, ethics. Oh wow! The ethics um, mm -hmm. classes were pretty impressive, I thought, um, and just um, budgeting and computers, and that was when computers were first starting out. But <laughs> so yes. I, mean, I was gonna say, come on now, you're only 21. <laughs> now, how, how long have you actually been with the health department? Um, well. <laughs> uh oh. Did I ask the wrong question there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's really valuable <laughs> a lot of institutional history and experience but no I've been here um, 40, 42 years get out of here and I worked in Baltimore City Health Department before that for almost three years so. you have not been here for 42 years mm -hmm. I started in kindergarten <laughs> wow <laughs> Dr. Moore about to fall off his chair back there now she, 40, well, thank you. Uh, 42 years. That is, you guys have a party for her every year. <laughs> She's some good stories, too. <laughs> She's what? She's yeah. some good stories of, like, how far, like, this, like, the health department has come in, like, like recent years. So, mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say, because if you've been here for 42 years, just from then to now, mm -hmm. God, this is probably going to be a, a long answer. <laughs> What's the biggest change you've seen? I was going to say what has changed, but that's it. what's I'm the really, biggest change? You've I really seen? think that there hasn't been. Our goals are always the same okay. to help our communities. Um, we've always um, in public health nursing. We've always been in the community, helping families access care, and it's just mechanisms or the the programs they change. Right. Um, computers have been, of course. Um, a better way to communicate, but um, I think our goals have always been the same. You right. know, to have a healthy, healthy, um, for optimum wellness for our community members, um, for accessing health care, um, how and, and what we take as research, or some of our programs are evidence based. Taking what's new, trying to apply it to what we've always done. In that time, have you seen? where the community is learning more about you guys or is that still a challenge that's a challenge it's still a challenge mm -hmm. okay and so these events are outreach events right that that really is um, our one way of getting out into the community and we usually take uh, we have uh, in this family health bureau is where MCHIP is located in our family health bureau but there's about I was counting up about 19 17 to 19 programs and services within this family health bureau so if we go to an event, we usually, MCHIP always goes because insurance, right. you need insurance. That's, everyone needs insurance. And so then along with that, we usually send or our, our, our ask another program within our Family Health Bureau to go to, and they kind of partner. So we have like um, another program is a lead and asthma program. It's called a, um, Lead Poisoning Prevention Program and Environmental Case Management. And what, <laughs> what, what um, that program um, involves uh, uh, RN, who's an environmental case manager, and um, health workers. And the goal of that program is to eliminate um, allergens or triggers for allergens for asthma. And uh, we do education in the home. So at our, uh, the next event that's coming up, I think our lead and asthma staff and MCHIP are going to go as a partner. Um, to the village, um, Lakeview. To Lakeview Village yep, Lakeview is having Village. a health fair event June 8th. Yeah. Uh, a little plug for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Wear Orange. It's called Wear Orange. They're spending like the first two hours cleaning up, I think, the park around there, and then the other two hours is going to be the actual like community health fair with a bunch wow. of community partners. So we'll be there with MCHIP enrolling, uh, checking MA. Yes. We have 
to MCHIP staff going. Um, they can help individuals apply. We'll be in a confidential area. We probably will be inside, outside somewhere. And we'll be able to help individuals apply, check their MA, help them um, access benefits. And then if um, you do have a Medicaid as your insurance and you have a child with moderate to severe asthma, um, sign up for our program and we'll um, offer, we offer a lot of um, education, some supplies that can help you clean your home, um, eliminate those um, allergens. I was going to ask you about that. I don't know how we went from MCHIP to this, but this is okay. <laughs> well, it's another um, one of the benefits yeah. of why why would I want MCHIP? You you know, said, why do I need medication? You said in-home education. So uh -huh. you're going into individual uh -huh. homes, and you just said with the allergens helping. Try to eliminate those right. allergens. So are you? do you guys uh, work with another organization for, like, the filters, you know, for the furnaces and all that? Because I know that's key with a lot of allergies. So our, our program, we're one of nine counties that are funded by MDE. It's a partnership. It's okay. a, um, the first in the nation that combines lead, um, lead and asthma. We're funded um, by um, MDH for our activities. And so, and we are also given a small amount of funding for um, supplies. And they are pretty prescriptive because it's evidence-based mm -hmm. um, about what we do uh, use. But we, our families on the third visit will receive a HEPA vacuum. Uh, we give doormats. We give green cleaning kits, which are um, your green soaps and your um, organic um, sponges. Really? Um, we do borax and uh, I don't know, a whole whole variety of, of supplies. Wow! And mattress covers, um, and pillowcase covers, and um, I'm thinking of all the things that we provide. This is probably one of the Where best. This is probably one of the best <laughs> programs we have, and people don't really uh, right. realize that. Well, a lot of people don't realize just simple little things like pillowcases, mm -hmm. mattress mm -hmm. that can prevent a lot of stuff, or. In another case, some of them that carry a lot of stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's. Can you come do an inspection? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is awesome. I didn't realize you guys did all that too. Mm -hmm. And we work with our providers, our primary care providers, right. to um, <clears throat> help the family um, adhere to their asthma action plan. And so uh, we will send a blank asthma action plan over to the physician. They'll complete it, and then our staff work with the um, the families to make sure they understand what's what's a control a control for their control of asthma. Right. What's an emergency inhaler? And you mentioned lead as well. Mm -hmm. Now I know lead was very bad down down in the homes in the city. Is it bad around here? I mean, we do have um, well one one the the purpose of this home this program is um, for individuals. <clears throat> who have a, a lead value of 5 to 9, a value of 10, that's 10 um, micrograms per deciliter, um, is considered lead poisoning. We do have an older stock of homes in our county. Okay. Um, but for the lead, this lead and asthma program, um, it's really for that lower level at 5 to 9. Okay. And what the purpose of that is, again, you have your older homes, um, with the peeling paint, or you may have an odor um, with the the um, with the sill might be peeling. Sometimes some of the it might be um, products that you use that have lead in them, or uh, the child that swallowed like a fishing weight, or for the fishermen, you know, like they're teaching their kids how to do fishing, um, working with the lead um, weights. So there's a variety. It could not just be the housing stock. It could be a variety of ways that you're exposed to that lead. So that's part of our staff. They, they will uh, go in and they do a, about a two-hour assessment of the home. They have, a, um, again, an assessment. And they'll look um, at, at the homes and see what, what are in the homes that, you know, in the interview. Can we ask the interviewer a question? Uh oh. <laughs> yes, I probably did swallow fish and wings. So, so, the question we would ask you is so, you've heard of all these benefits uh, with the uh, prescriptions and the HEPA vacuums and the transportation. Do you, do you wonder why these benefits seem 
uh, so enhanced? I'll hazard a guess, and, and I'll say that it, most of it is based upon the fact that uh, typically lower income or distressed families and what have you don't know about things. They don't know where to turn, where to look, and, mm -hmm. um, and they don't know that, that you need to address things like allergen contaminants and, and you know, potential lead contaminants and things like that. So uh, having, that, having somebody help them do that. Is, uh, is a good thing. You know. that's, that's so good <laughs> yeah. because, uh, as you said, lower risk, lower income folks usually have higher risk uh, for, for medical issues. So you know this thing about um, uh, health follows wealth. So if, you know, lack of wealth, you might have some lack of health. Right. So those folks are the ones who are going to end up with the most uh, advanced stages of diseases when they're seen by the healthcare system. They're the ones who are going to go to the emergency rooms, but they're the ones who are going to get hospitalized. So why is Medicaid putting all of this money into this? Because the biggest price tag for Medicaid is paying for hospitalizations in nursing homes. And so they want to do everything possible to keep people out of the hospitals, out of the emergency rooms, out of the nursing homes. Right. And that's why they're doing all these things. They, these things that you hear about sound expensive, but they don't even compare to what it costs when you're in the hospital or when you're in an emergency room. Or so for for Medicaid, it is well worth the price to do right. all these things. But but when you tell people, hey, we give folks transportation, we give them HIPAA vacuums, we do, they think, oh, what a waste. Well, why are we doing this? We don't get that. It's because this is a high-risk population and it really does cost a lot of money once they go to the hospital. Sure. Yeah. yeah. How there's still got to be a lot of them that aren't getting to you, which is which is sad. Well, so as a community, what can the community do to, to get them to the health department? Share the word, <laughs> but oh, yeah. we, we do rely on our partners. We have a really a great network here in our community. Right. We work very closely with other agencies and partners, and so we do a lot of referrals back and forth. Um, and then we try to get out um, in the communities and get that word out. Um, but it's kind of like a neighbor helping a neighbor or somebody. It's like that direct patient referral. Right. So that always works. Um, your reputation, you know, serving that individual and they'll go home and say, hey, you, they might go to their neighbor's home. And we do offer other programs like uh, for comprehensive evaluation so that people can stay in their homes. and as you age or that you can, um, if you have a need, um, special needs or an individual with, um, that needs a special accommodations or some home modifications. We do offer other programs through our medical assistance. So we rely on your neighbor helping a neighbor or saying, hey, I think I heard something on a podcast or I thought I saw something, I picked up something at the local fair. And, um, and that word of mouth is so important for us to, to get that word out. Speaking of where math or picking something up at a fair, because um, I know, I mean, the website, which Kudu seems like it's getting updated constantly, which I love, but a lot of your low-income people don't have access to the internet or anything or a chance to get out to these fairs. Do you guys have brochures or anything that are in, like, the libraries or even the grocery stores or whatever to where people can if they go there they can pick it up well that's what we do for our summer we do our okay. summer outreach we go out we put our most recent brochures in doctor's offices in the libraries we try to hit some shops that will allow us to have our brochures there okay. um, we also do it at different um, um, we do it at different um, like behavioral health mm -hmm. places, um, treatment centers, sorry, okay. <laughs> that's the word. Yeah. Uh, we do it treatment centers, we put them in the hospitals, we try to hit where a lot of people are going. Are going to, yeah. yeah. So that they can MBA, we just talked about that. Yes. <laughs> like everywhere. <laughs> last fall, we, we did um, several, I want to say five radio stations. Yes. We yes. ran ads through the radio mm -hmm. um, okay. stations and also through church bulletins, but in um, in the mm -hmm. upper part, uh, the northern part of our county, or where we thought that that um, we didn't use other media. 
Right. So they are the other ways of accessing. So, um, and one of our locations in MCHIP is in the northern part of yes. the county, um, in the Highland Center. Yes. And you want to talk a little bit about that partnership up there we have? Um, it's really great. We have a worker who's in the Highland Senior Center or Community Center. Mm -hmm. um, and she's there five days a week, not seven. <laughs> she's there five days a week from 8 to 4.30. And she's able to sign you up for insurance. She's able to do everything that we can do in our main offices out there. And then... We like her there because she gets that older population who has right. um, kids and grandkids, and then there also are is a food pantry there, so she gets everyone who goes to the food pantry, and they bring up, well, she brings them to them, she checks their insurance, and she's able to sign people up that way. So that's how we're trying to hit that northern part of the county that goes to that senior center. Which is really good because if you look at like a map of Harvard County and look at like where insurance like where people who have insurance like where they reside and right. like northern area like in that street around yes. that street area really? is like where are like higher percentage of people who don't have health insurance actually are yeah interesting and that was our focus that that was through mm -hmm. the state they they said the upper northern part and that jarrettsville falston area and so we we really um that really made us think about how can we get to that right out the word out do you do any outreach in the schools at all? Because uh, I, I know things like this, a lot of times uh, the best word of mouth is the child mm -hmm. when he goes, or you know, he or she goes home and say, hey, mom, dad, look, this is what we learned today. This is what we found out. Well, one of our programs, we do have the school-based clinics, which are the right. um, the five school schools. So we are, but also we work very closely with our nurse school nurses and our partners. Um, the school um, supervisor, Mary Nasuda, is with the schools. So we work very closely with the schools and try to get that word out. We go to back to school night, we go to um, where the kids come back, and then um, I call it kindergarten roundup. I don't know exactly what it is, <laughs> but it's when in May when everybody's signing up. So we're, we're heavily yeah, involved. Word, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> um, when you asked about Janika's major, and she said it was communications uh, versus public health, and yet for this job, communications is perfect. Mm -hmm. yeah. because, um, so for commercial insurance, you know, the whole thing is actuarial. It's about, okay, you got a right mix of healthy people and not healthy people. You got mm -hmm. But this program is different. A lot of the folks, majority of the folks are not healthy. So what we have to do is reach out to folks to find out all of those folks get them into this program so they don't end up getting really sick, going to the hospitals and all that thing. Right. The way to do it is through communications, public health education, and that's why she's the perfect major for this this kind of thing. Thank Makes you. sense. Yeah. Yeah. See, I would have never thought about that. I'm in the wrong field. I mean, I got a degree in that, so I'm coming to work here. As far as, like, the homeless go, I mean, how do you get reach out to them for this program? I mean, because there's, I mean, I, I guess you got what welcome one emergency shelter, and then once in a while, what's wintertime you have to rotate and shelter. Well, um, we actually get through reach the homeless through a community action agency because they go through okay. them okay. and our Edgewood location is right next door to community action agency so we have a good partnership where they just send them on to oh, us okay. and we'll be able to apply for their insurance and we actually have them have their mailing address for the health department so that they can receive their cards. We'll call them and say your cards are in and then they can come back and get their cards so that it's not going to a random address so that they are able to utilize the, uh, their insurance. Okay. So, so let me just mention about the homeless because that's a, that's a big issue in this county. As yeah. Far yes. as, so our health department is great um, getting folks health insurance because a lot of folks who are homeless qualify for health insurance. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, they could she get health insurance, they should get a doctor, they'll take Medicaid. Um, but the issue is this. The issue is providers willing to, to see homeless patients because it's it's a high risk group they are not not that compliant sometimes and and so what we've we've had partnerships in the past where um, 
groups will come in and actually do health care for the homeless. They'll actually provide primary care for the homeless. We'll do all the care coordination components of that. Get them insurance, make sure they get to all the referrals. This is what our, our team does. Right. But this, the medical providers, that is the tough, tough thing. And we actually kind of lost our medical provider, uh, I think, starting July 1. Really? Right. So we're going to have to try to reach out more to doctors in the community uh, to see if they're willing to see them. But that's a tough, that's a tough problem and a tough group here. But as far as signing people up and getting them hooked up to as many services as possible, we do that. Okay. But the medical provider, the primary care part is a big challenge in this county. That's a shame. It is a shame. Yeah, it is. Now, on the other side of the coin, do you, have, do you ever run into issues of trust? Uh, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago with the homeless. Um, a lot of them simply don't trust anyone, and that includes their somebody trying to help them you know, with health care. So I'll give you my opinion. So our health care for the homeless operation is, so we have a facility in one North Main Street. Mm -hmm. And that group has such a great relationship mm -hmm. with, with the community, with folks who are homeless. They trust them. The issue is we don't provide primary medical care in that facility. We have to kind of link them up. So right. now the trust has to now do with the medical provider. Right. And we kind of like lost our medical provider. So now it's we have to find someone willing to, to see folks medically, and then that trust relationship has to fall. But the trust right. with the health department, I actually think is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh, on the insurance part, I don't know if this would have, but I would think it would have to affect it. Controversy again. Uh, <laughs> You know, every time there's a presidential election, health insurance comes up. So, throughout the years, I mean, how has that affected, you know, the MCHEP program? <laughs> now, I know for some years back, you weren't here, but no, Mary Jo was. I mean, she's only been here five well, years. Well, <laughs> Actually, it's been, uh, Maryland, the state of Maryland has made a commitment um, okay. to expansion of Medicaid and okay. for health care. So our state um, has made that commitment. Okay, um, good. I would say. Yeah. Okay. I think that was the biggest change mm -hmm. because of with, um, when Obama was in the office and the whole Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. he, were, he made it that more people are able to get insurance and then more states are able to expand their Medicaid program because before it was only pregnant women and children were able to get medical assistance. Really? That's why it's called MCHIP. Yeah, that's why it's called MCHIP. <laughs> okay. Um, but with the expansion, now it opened up to up to the age of 64, right. you're able to get medical assistance. So I think that has been the biggest change. Um, since it started, I believe. And then I don't see it changing with any other elections because yeah. of the bill. They have to get rid of the bill first before they can make the change to medical assistance. Okay. So I, okay. I can give you a controversial answer to your <laughs> So controversial answer is in the old, old days, like 1980s, 1970s, mm -hmm. Before Medicaid had really expanded very much, you had a s system of care where you might have had a lot of charity providers, a lot of uh, safety net providers, who, you know, like churches and things like that. Right. Where the whole, like ent entire hospital systems have been built off of, um, you know, certain churches. Mm -hmm. So that, with that system in place, providing charity care, that existed for a while and it wasn't great, but at least it existed. Right. But then over the decades. As Medicaid began to expand and Affordable Care Act started to expand, the whole shift was away from charity care workers towards, okay, let's give folks some reimbursement so that mainstream providers will start seeing folks. They've been doing that now for the last 30 years. 30 years. Now you have a system in place where you do have mainstream providers, at least some of them, who, who are, are willing to see low-income folks. But the, the, uh, catastrophic thing that could occur is if that's suddenly taken away. The whole the old system is gone now. You can't go back to the old system. Right. Now you've got a new system. Okay, it's it's working. Not perfectly, but it's working. 
if you suddenly just say, okay, we're just going to get rid of Medicare, or we're going to get rid of Medicare, or we're going to just get rid of that, you've got no system to go back to. And that's, that's the catastrophic thing that, okay, most likely everything's going to be okay. <laughs> well, let's just say one day they say, hey, let's do away with Medicaid. You don't have a system to fall back on. Wow. You're never going to go back to the charity care system, and then you're going to have catastrophic health out outcomes. So I don't think anybody thinks that's going to happen, but, you know, for, our, for the pessimists. <laughs> never <laughs> say never, right? You're we hope what, it doesn't happen. happen. That's the worst right. thing. Okay. Because a lot of folks at that kind of level, they're not thinking front line. They're not right. saying, okay, what could really happen to that homeless person? What could really happen to people? If they just think, oh, you know, Medicaid's too expensive. You know, they're doing things like giving transportation to people and giving HIPAA vacuums to people. Let's just get rid of the whole thing. Yeah. Then you're going to really have a big problem. And what I mean by that, a big public health problem where mortality rates start skyrocketing, people are dying, and this kind of thing. True. We definitely don't want that. <laughs> Yeah, back to back to the um, other program you were talking about, where the in-home education off the allergies and mm -hmm. that. Do you go back to see how much better they're doing afterwards? We do a survey okay. um, before and after, and um, for the for the children with asthma, they do ask in the last thirty days, have you felt? And they and they have several questions. Okay. And so that uh, again, it's. Um, a perception or the doctor visits. So it's the family's perception or the child's perception of how they're doing as well as how many ER visits, ED or hospital visits or doctor visits have you made. Okay. Something to think about. Maybe for podcasts in the future and it may help more the community to know of all the great things that the health department does. If we can get some people that have on through these programs to come on and actually talk about it and give their testimonials. I think that would be a, a big plus too because if people hear from other people that have been through it, mm -hmm. they know. And I, I'm, you got me hooked on this allergen thing now. Because, <laughs> well, I just, a friend of mine, um, they just had to have their daughter tested where it's like 72 things on all these different allergies. And two of the things she's allergic to, dust and her and hamsters. And she just got a, a pet hamster. Aww. Yeah. Um, but dust is a key one. I'm like, how, how do you, you can't you avoid dust? <laughs> you know, I, I know my son went through it years ago. And he's, I think he's allergic to everything. You know, but I mean, pollen, it, it's just amazing. And now he's doing better. You know, probably because he doesn't live with me. Uh, but, um, I, it, just to talk to some of these people that have gone through, especially the lead and the allergens. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, uh, actually, um, smoke, smoking, and and cigarette smoke. So, so we do yeah. when our staff are out, they do connect with resources. So okay. our health department has a smoking cessation classes and and other resources. So we we look at the whole family though. Uh, again, that whole right. family, um, not just this one child or the the one. Um. So there are some things you can do when you have pets, you know, uh, limit your time with them, have them outside. There are. Um, so if you do come home and you're out when you smoke, you leave your jacket outside instead of bringing um, the jacket into the home. So there's a lot of little tips and tricks right. depending um, that, that we can share with them. Yeah, it's interesting. You may, you mentioned pets. That the, a lot of times, you know, that people can be fine around pets, but if you don't care for them the way you care for yourself, you can become allergic to them. Oh yeah. Simply based upon the you know lack of care. And and as a ex-smoker, I can attest to being around people that smoke now. It just it drives me insane. Um, I mean, I I I I have to leave an area. I mean, that's how bad it gets. You know, and and. Um, of course, when I smoked, I didn't care what anybody thought. But you know, <laughs> that, in those shoes now, you know, I'm not very aware of it. And, and uh, I don't know if it's psychosomatic or something else, but it just it bugs the heck out of me. But the same thing. I mean, this, the entire environment, as you said, is something you have to look at. Uh, things you might not even think about. 
can affect mm -hmm. especially so, child's health. Especially if you have rodents, um, yeah. we help with little sticky traps. Um, if there's a hole, we, we advise them to pull out the, the uh, stove. Sometimes there's a hole behind the stove. Uh -huh. We give them copper, um, copper wire and caulking guns and assist the family and teach them how to caulk and cut that and fit it in. Steel wool is also good too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a person. No, hate that stuff. <laughs> yes, you fill it with steel wool and then put the copper on top. That, where can somebody find the list of benefits for the MCHF program? Um, on our website and then probably and Maryland, Maryland Medicaid, Maryland, Maryland, Medicaid. Maryland. Maryland Health Connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have the website. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. MarylandHealthConnection.gov. <laughs> and um, also on the MDH's um, website. And then we have our brochures. You can come into one of the health departments or any place starting the summer because we're going to go out and put them in doctor's offices and all that. And how do people get in touch with you? We have three locations that have phone numbers. Our Woodbridge location is 1321 Woodbridge Station Way, and the phone number is 410-612-1779. Um, the Highland Center is 703 Highland Road, number five and street, and that number is 443-206-8980. And then our Bel Air location is 120 South Hay Street in Bel Air, and that number is 410-838-1500, and all you have to do is ask for someone in the insurance department. They can also um, email us through the health department website. Yep. Yes. And uh, if you have questions, and those emails do come through, and mm -hmm. our staff do respond back probably within 24 hours. Yep. And that's? That's if you go to HarfordCountyHealth.com, and if you just go in and put in your um, question, we'll try and get to it as, I mean, I we definitely get to them by at least 24 hours, and then right. we'll forward them, and mm -hmm. we'll get back to you. Actually, and speaking of the website, too, because you guys are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter, yep. And YouTube. It, okay, so somebody, I know Facebook has it. I guess Twitter in a way. If yeah. somebody met, can somebody yeah. message you through there? So as someone well? can message me, or sorry, message me. <laughs> someone can message us um, through any of the social media sites, and it's the same thing. We'll try okay. and get back to you. I think we have like a 100% respondents rate on both on okay, all of those awesome. um, sites, mm -hmm. and we can. Um, I'll make sure that message gets forwarded to our um, respective program, and then they'll get back to you. You know, again within at least 24 hours. Great. The one thing I want to really emphasize with. Um, applying for Medicaid, you can apply for Medicaid 365 days a year. Yes. Because even in your home, you can. Yes, in your home, it. you can do it yourself through MarylandHealthConnection.gov. We recommend you coming in to see us because it might be a little complicated and we want to make sure that you're getting into the right program and getting the right education, but you are able to do it yourself if you feel confident enough. And that's a little different than insurance, as you know, if you watch the, um, the news. It's for Medicare, it's open enrollment, or for the qualified health plans, it's, um, it's open enrollment. But for Medicaid, it's every day of the year yes. that, um, that's open. Right. So. Good. Well, I want to thank you all again and get a hold of the health department, harfordcountyhealth.com.